Fedheads, you're tuned in to another episode of Cigar Chat. I'm your host, John the Cigar Surgeon. Cigar Chat is broadcast live around the world and, of course, picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. You can tune in to Cigar Chat on YouTube.com, of course, Facebook Live. Thanks very much for our Facebook Live listeners. And, of course, at CigarFederation.com, which is where the show is housed. Thanks to all our podcast listeners out there. We know you were out there in droves. I just saw today we had a bunch of people listening in from Mexico, from Denmark, from Sweden, from Germany, from Great Britain, all over the world, wherever you're listening from. Thanks very much for tuning in. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, and it seems to be more of a regular thing, Trent. Yeah. Trevor, what's going on, hey, brother? Buddy. Uh, feeling pretty good today. A little less rough around the edges than I was expecting to feel after last night sharing our bearings. We we did we did tear it on pretty good last night, to be fair. Yeah. And uh, we were smoking something something a little bit, uh, shall we say, a little bit more approachable, a little bit uh, more in my wheelhouse. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But first, we want to introduce our special guest tonight, Victor Vitale, gentlemen. How are you? Hello, gentlemen and fed heads. Pleasure to see you again. See you again. We, were, we were talking uh, kind of prior to the show, and I was like, you know, it seems like it's been a, a you know dog's age since we've had Victor on. And I'm embarrassed to say, do you know it's been since March of 2015 since no we way. had last on the show? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Can you believe that? Time flies. Yeah, it's crazy. Time flies. Well, I'm always happy to be on. Thanks for inviting me. I wish that uh, I had a tall glass of scotch, but I got iced tea in a jar here. So That's it's nothing exciting. Just in case anyone's wondering, what the hell is that in a jar? It's not moonshine or anything. It's just some boring <laughs> detox tea or something my wife made for me. Sounds we're, fun. We were talking pre-show about, because, uh, of course, we share a love of uh, all things whiskey. And I was saying I was tempted to break out the uh, closed distillery Japanese whiskey. And then I realized, you know, maybe if I'm drinking every day, maybe this presents a lifestyle choice that uh, maybe I'm not ready for, you know, and uh, maybe it, maybe I'll just stay, stick with water and Coca-Cola tonight. And that'll be, Doesn't that just make you Canadian if you're drinking every day. I don't know. You well, gotta... look at, I mean, it's look at, look at outside. It's sunny. It's beautiful. I mean, I got a jacket on, but that's only cause I'm worried about getting rained on here. The sky's blue. <laughs> Life is good. I think, you know, I think it's like 63 degrees here right now. It's all right. I decided to go the other route, John, and I'm, I'm just having a little nip of the Akashi from there last night. A little Japanese whiskey. But of course, this isn't sharing our pairings. So I'm going to get us back on topic, talk about what we're here to talk about, which is you, Victor. Yeah. We're going to talk about you. This is this is Cigar Chat. We're here to talk about cigars, but specifically about you. So, I mean, I know you. You know me. We've had you on the show before. But maybe for our audience, who, and we were talking kind of pre-show, you're not a stranger in the industry. You've, you've been around for 25 years now? 20, 22 uh, years? 20, 22, exactly. 22. 22. Yeah. So for maybe some of our audience members out there who don't know you or your brand, and hopefully by the end of the show will, maybe just kind of give us, you know, the, the romantic overview of kind of, you know, your, your, your journey through the cigar industry. Because it's been, a, it's, it's, I mean, it's a big journey. My goodness. Where do I start? Jeez. Um, well, well, where would you like me to start? I should probably ask you that question because it's there. There could be a lot of boring. These people might fall asleep. <laughs> I, I always, I always like to start with, you know, kind of how you got, like what it was, what the catalyst. You know, it's like people say if you're fascination. Like, yeah, it's like who did you kill in the uh, in the cigar industry to take their place? Because that's how it works, right? You have to take somebody out yeah. to take their. No. It's a Highlander situation. It's a Highlander or, situation. Or you could just wait for 22 plus years for uh, <laughs> some people to move over, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, uh, wow, I can go way back. Um, my family history is in uh, uh, bread making, bread baking, bread making, and that's pretty much what I did for uh, my entire life until I reached a certain age. And uh, I've always had somewhat of a fascination for premium cigars, and that was uh, because of my father. My dad always had a cigar in his mouth, always had cigars to share with friends. And if you rewind, rewind the clock back to the 90s, which was basically, if you guys remember the 90s, cigar smoking was like, the good old days. it was the thing to do. It was as cool as you could get. I think you couldn't have said it any better, Trip. It was really like it was the pinnacle of cool, you know, and everybody yeah. who was everyone from the president of the United States to guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Asante and Stallone and, you know, all these people who were like always just front and center had a cigar. And um, I just decided one day that, uh, you know, I was going to take a break from the family business and uh, do something else. and. I thought, well, why not try premium cigars? So I got a job selling cigars retail, and uh, I, I was uh, very fortunate to learn a lot during that time. And I just, you know, figured out how to climb uh, the career ladder in the cigar business. I moved on to become uh, a regional sales representative, and then moved on from there to start a business, which did uh, uh, brokerage and consulting. Uh, for many of the brands in the business. And then from there, after, you know, meeting people, you know, further up the ladder, I made some really good connections with uh, growers and blenders and felt really comfortable working with factories to start producing my own brands. And uh, I guess that's pretty much how it all started. Now, I'm going to ask a question that I probably already know the answer to. Looking back on your journey through the industry, do you, do you still feel today that you have the same passion, the same excitement for and I'm not going to say the industry because the industry has changed a lot, but, but for cigars, for tobacco that you did, you know, thinking back on the time when your dad was smoking and you were kind of looking up to that, do you, do you think you still have that same level of passion? Yeah, I do. Uh, honestly, it, it depends on where and when I think is really the most important part to, to actually enjoy that passion. So uh, not to get overly technical with an answer, but you know, having, having a passion for premium cigars never goes away. Uh, ever for someone who truly has a has a passion and a love for smoking a cigar and enjoying uh, what a cigar is all about, it just truly never ever disappears. Um, you're losing passion for the way the industry operates or the way the business works, et cetera. <laughs> and that probably happens every day. You know, every day. every day is a new day on you know what comes at you, and you know, and, and I'm sure that's good for any business, but you know. It, it's when it comes to that, it's all about who you surround yourself with, uh, who are the people that you're doing business with, uh, you know, who are the people that you're engaging with, who are you attracting with your brand. And, uh, you know, those are some of the real key, uh, career things that I've discovered to actually enjoy the business aspect better is law of attraction. So, which is why I'm a boutique cigar, boutique premium cigar. Because you really, you attract the enthusiast. You know, the, the road warrior, uh, the weekend road warrior or the weekend warrior is not really a bad thing. But I like uh, when my cigar is enjoyed by you guys. You know, guys that study, the guys that know. You know, you, you've read Rick Hacker's book on the ultimate cigar and the, the experience. And, uh, you know, you know what it is that goes into these things. And it, it really it really makes a difference when 
that person, I could be surrounded by those people to enjoy a premium cigar. So in that aspect, the passion never goes away. I, I, and I'm sure uh, Trip can probably echo the sentiment, but I can, I can say, having been down to Nicaragua the number of times I have, seeing the operations from, you know, from ground up, seeing the number of hands that go involved in it, and every time I hear somebody say, oh, you know, this cigar is like $9. Like, man, if you saw the amount of effort that went into making a cigar, you'd wonder why that cigar isn't $75 or $100 because it's incredible with the number of hands that touch the cigar, the amount of process to take it from seed to your hand. It just, it doesn't even seem economically possible. And yet, you know, here we are enjoying a tasty cigar. I completely agree with that. It's, it's kind of mind blowing how much work goes into it and how cheap they are compared to the amount of work you see go into it. And of course we are smoking the uh, El Cedro number no. five, which is the, um, I, I looked, I looked through what I had and I, I was like, what do I feel like tonight after, you know, it's a, it's a nice day. It's reasonably sunny out. And uh, I always kind of gravitate towards this. Um, I think probably Victor, because, and we're, again, we're kind of talking a little bit offline, but, I talk about the versatility of, of a lot of Nicaraguan tobacco. And to me, you know, this is a nice medium full cigar with a little bit of pepper zip. It doesn't blow you away. It's still elegant. And you know what? In fact, that's the word I would think I would use to describe is elegant. And, and it's just, it's exactly what it is in the mood for. And, and uh, by no, <clears throat> by no planning on our end whatsoever, <laughs> Trip ended up lighting the exact same cigar. Yeah. Same Vitola and everything. Yeah. Uh, I love I love when you describe my cigars as elegant. Uh, it really, that's like that's the payday for me because that's really <laughs> the goal. Honestly, I mean, it, it really is. They really are. They're they're very elegant and, like you said, kind of refined and versatile is the word that I think of with this cigar because I have reached for this cigar first thing in the morning to drink to smoke with coffee, and now this is my third cigar of the day, and I'm getting all the flavor. It's it doesn't overrun you with any flavors that it would be bad to smoke in the morning. And it has enough flavor to stand up after you've already smoked a couple of cigars. That's that. I mean, music to my ears trip. That's the goal. <laughs> uh, really, honestly, the goal is that the blend and the cigar, you know, and this is for us, not, you know, to be compared with other people and their products. We don't want to destroy anything else you're doing. So, you know, if it's, uh, you know, fine aged cheese or, you know, fruits, wines, whatever, scotch, the cigar is really meant to be uh, the perfect, like you guys, you know, the perfect pairing, you know, like, yeah, you can really find a nuance to really get the perfect pairing. But, you know, if you pick up a Cedro number five or uh, a Cedro uh, 500, you could still do a Chardonnay or a Cabernet Sauvignon and one isn't going to overpower the other, you know, that, that uh, perfect blend will be there. That's the goal anyway. And, you know, it, it sounds like we're doing it, which I'm happy to yeah, hear. I think so. Absolutely. So, uh, Trippy, before we get into our first break of the evening, do we have any questions, comments, or feedback from our lovely live audience? Well, we've got a couple other 215s going. Uh, Jason Myers smoked one last week and loved it. And Harley Holmes is smoking one right now. Uh, but Harley also had a question uh, that I think is is perfectly suited for Victor, which is he needs to buy a suit. What should he avoid and what should he make sure his suit has? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that because I'm wearing a T-shirt right now. <laughs> we 
which is you I know, think the I'm, first time I've ever seen you in a t-shirt quite honestly I actually forgot I mean I've been in this all day so you know and and usually I have like a shirt and tie or something around and of course there's nothing here I you know I don't I don't have anything to look overly formal but uh uh geez that you know it's a tough question to to, to answer because uh uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what the person's look and build and everything is. So if we're getting into like uh, single breasted, double breasted, pinstripe, Glenn plaid, uh, you know, uh, different types of wool, whether it's going to be uh, an Italian suit or uh, a Japanese suit or what. So I, I don't know. So I, I would say ask the question again, but just get a little bit more specific and I, I think <laughs> I can help out. Well, let, let me uh, let me take that question and run with it, Victor, because, you know, you are one of the guys in the industry who I would describe as almost always impeccably dressed and classy is the word I use to describe you. So what do you, you. typically like on a on a typical, you know, you're, you're decked out in an IPCPR. What do you what are you normally wearing for a suit? Uh, I'm wearing an Italian suit, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, without mentioning a brand or if you want me to mention brands, I can do that. But I, I think there's really to me, there's. There's nothing really like a suit and tie. I mean, yeah. it just it just makes you feel good, yeah. or at least uh, at least it makes me feel good. I mean, you know, I know some people just can't stand it. You know, they don't like a suit and tie. They don't like the way they feel in it. But I've often found that when someone says that, they haven't found the right suit or the right tie to wear, and that's why they're uncomfortable in it. I've got a follow up. How many suits do you have? <laughs> oh my god, uh, a lot. Is the answer? I don't know the number. Um, I, I there's probably more that I don't fit into, and that are kind of outdated that I own than actually I can fit into. So I would say that scale is like eighty twenty twenty percent of my inventory I can actually wear today and not look like I came out of like the hot tub time machine from the nineteen nineties. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, a lot is the answer. That's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to get back to talking about suits in just a just a quick moment here, but I want to remind our audience, you are tuned in live to Cigar Chat, broadcast around the world and picked up in the Armed Forces Radio Network. Cigar Chat is broadcast on YouTube.com, broadcast live on Facebook, and of course, thanks to all our podcast listeners who are out there in drove. Please stay tuned for a word from one of our sponsors. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring Rosado, Ecuador, and Habana wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvanian, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaraguan available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. And you're tuned in to Cigar Chat. We are broadcast live. We're here with our very special guest, Victor Vitale of Tortuga Cigars, Legacy Brands. And uh, we're just talking about suits. And um, I, I want to echo kind of what you were talking about. As a guy who spent most of his adult life in some form of sales, uh, and I know we're getting way off topic here, but I, I got to say, to me as a sales guy, it was always like putting on a superhero costume. I felt like if I put on a really nice, like well-fitting suit kind of felt like I could go in and do anything. You know what I mean? Like it was really that, that Glengarry Glenn Ross moment where I felt like I could just go into any <laughs> conference room, close that deal because, you know, it was kind of, it, it was kind of the best version of me in that suit. I don't know if that makes any sense. Sounds good. But 
We are here to talk about cigars, not suits. And I want to get back to um, talking about some of your brands. And I think I want to kind of lead it off with talking about the uh, collaborative product project that you did with Armand Asante. And uh, first of all, I want to say, because I know there was um, there's been, there was a poll a little while ago. We talked about this where uh, a lot of people didn't list Armand as, as a smoker. And to me, uh, who's followed his career, and, and I mean, I'm a huge fan of him as an actor. Um, he's always had a, I mean, he is, he is as much a cigar smoker iconically to me as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and, and it surprises me sometimes, you know, you have to kind of point it out. And then the moment you point him out, people go, oh yeah, Armand. And of course he's always got a cigar in his hand. So it seems like a natural fit that he would start up a brand. I mean, he's not a, he's not yeah. a sports guy who smokes cigars occasionally. He's been smoking cigars forever. He, he really is a lover of cigars and it, it just took him a really long time to even think about or consider uh, uh coming out with a brand or or partnering up with someone to create a brand and I, i'm very happy that uh he chose me to do it i mean it was really truly an honor uh, like you said following his career if if you go on wikipedia and you look at all the movies that he's been in you'll you'll really say wow i didn't even realize he was in all these movies and you know everything from uh, uh judge dread to Gotti, to American Gangster, uh, just to name, you know, some of the bigger films that he was in. Uh, even uh, overseas, he does a lot of filming overseas. You know, not just for Hollywood, for uh, other countries, for their uh, media industry or film. Excuse me, film industry. Does a lot of foreign films, and uh, he always he he's been a huge advocate of premium cigars. You know, uh, not boastfully an advocate in the way of, you know, lobbying efforts are, uh, uh, to say, but, you know, when it comes to, uh, showing off the, the lifestyle, the classy lifestyle of a premium cigar, I think he's been very effective at it in his career. I'll, uh, I'll never forget, never forget the time at the IPCPR in Las Vegas when, uh, when you were kind enough to introduce me and Armand, you know, being such a classy and, and I would say humble guy, you know, he said, hi, I'm Armand Asante. I'm an actor. And I just, I chuckled to myself. So I'm like, yes, Mr. Asante, I'm very well aware, you know, of you and your career. I followed you for years. You know, I love all your films and he kind of, you know, he did that genuine thing where he, he kind of lit up and you could tell it was like genuine, genuinely lit up. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, this guy knows my physics. Like, Come on, man. Like if I've turned on a, turn on a movie in the last 30 years, of course I've seen your films, but you know, genuinely I was a, I was, you know, a huge fan. And um, maybe getting back to the cigar part of it. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that process of working with him to sure. find a cigar um, and maybe talk a little bit about the cigar as well and, and give our audience a bit of insight there? Sure. Well, the introduction was made through a mutual friend, Gary Mascioni, out of Chicago. Uh, he had uh, worked with Armand in the past um, on some advertising. And, uh, you know, he, he was kind of on Armand about, you know, doing this whole project. Uh, Gary would send Armand bags. Of, you know, Gary's uh, an old friend of Armand, and he would send him bags and boxes of cigars, you know, wherever he was in the world. And uh, he was kind of always on Armand's case about, you know, doing a project. So uh, basically it came down to uh, one day Armand was in Croatia filming and uh, he's on his balcony smoking a cigar and he calls Gary and he says, uh, I, I finally found the cigar that I can't put down and I absolutely love and we need to find out who this guy is and talk to him. And he was smoking a Tortuga. And uh, wow. you know, Gary called me right away and he says, you'll never believe it. 
<laughs> and I said, come on, no way. <laughs> and you know how the industry is. I mean, we, long story short, we were all very cautious about entering this agreement because the industry can be very hard on uh, uh, outsiders coming into the business. You know, it's kind of like a good old boys network and uh, sports stars, uh, Hollywood actors, uh, uh, of the such. Uh, it's it's very uh, far between when a success actually happens. Uh, you know, one of the greatest outside uh, success stories uh, was Avo. Mm-hmm. You know, from coming mm-hmm. from uh, the the music industry. And, uh, you know, everyone looks up to Avo. I mean, he's a, you know, wonderful success story uh, in our business. Uh, God rest his soul. Wonderful man. Great, great guy to work with and around all those years. And, uh, you know, he, he truly made it happen. And he, he also was a very passionate person about cigars. And there's a lot, of, a lot of people that came into the business since who have been successful. And, you know, some have been unsuccessful. And being unsuccessful didn't really make them any less passionate about cigars or their brand. It just so happens to be that, you know, it depends on how well that person is received. And, uh, thank God we've been lucky that people have been, uh, uh, very, very receptive to Armand and his project. And, you know, we're all very grateful for that. Now, is he, is he, is he uh, becoming a victim of smoking his own stash all the time or cause I know he, does, that, you know, he goes through a lot of cigars. I got to tell you, <laughs> And uh, he gives a lot of cigars away. So if you know if you ever find out where he is, and you know you just want a free box of cigars or something, he's doing it. And I always say, "Geez, Armand, you know you don't have to give away full boxes. You can just give away like two or three cigars. It's okay, you know." And he says, "No, no, these guys, you got to you got to give him a full box. You got to give him a full. And we're just sending him boxes of cigars all the time. But he, but that's how he is. He's very yeah. generous. He doesn't think of you know." You know, he he knows and appreciates how special they are and how much work goes into it. And, you know, without question, all of that exists. But for him, he just wants to share everything. And, you know, you repeating the humble experience that you've had with him, that's that's truly the way he is. He's one of the most uh, humble, wildly successful people I've ever met in my life. And, uh, I mean, he'll just he'll, he'll break bread with almost anyone and smoke a cigar with anyone. And I'll never forget when he invited me to his house, when we started the project, I brought a bunch of different blends that I had prepared from the factory. And we we pretty much stayed up all night and smoked, you know, a a small section of every single blend just to kind of, you know, get his palate used to figuring out the differences between the different tobaccos and everything. And and the learning curve was amazing. I mean, he was already there. So he knew exactly what he was tasting and why. And, you know, we drank a bunch of scotch and, you know, that's pretty much how the, the first Or of Evo was born. I mean, we just went through tons of blends and he's very much hands on the entire process. He's involved with uh, choosing exactly uh, what leaves of tobacco we're going to use based on the prepared blends and uh, all of the design work. Uh, he had his hands in the design work and, and the creation of the designs and everything. So. He, uh, uh, he, he's definitely been a major part of it and a major part of the success of War of Evo. And, and talking, you know, for the cigar geeks out there, cause I know we've got cigar geeks tuned into the show. Can we talk about the, the flavor profile and the strength profile of the War of Evo and maybe some of the sizes that's available for people who might be out there and looking to uh, pick it up and, and share in this experience? Sure. Uh, we have, uh, there's three different styles that were made for the marketplace. 
And um, we basically moved as quickly as we possibly could to launch these three different styles. And it happened over the course of three years. We launched the original four sizes for the American market that came in black boxes. And then we launched uh, four additional sizes for the European market, which came in white boxes. And then we introduced four sizes for the global market, which also came in white boxes. So uh, out of that, you know, you're looking at uh, 12 different uh, unique sizes of cigars because they didn't all come in the same sizes. Right. So uh, depending on what someone is looking for, we never really made anything mild in the uh, Orvivo cigar. Everything was pretty much medium, medium to full. Nothing was wildly full bodied. We just never really wanted to go over the top, you know, extremely full bodied. I mean, keeping that uh, elegance and that balance and that, uh, you know, pairing available was really always in, in, in foresight. Great, great. So Crook's, Crook, one of our viewers, uh, he says you might know him. Uh, yeah, of he course. wants to know if you're going to reintroduce the European Orovivo. Well, yeah, it, the thing is about the individual blends, they're not, they're not off the market. There's just, you know, th there was, we had to make way for the others to make it to the market. And mm -hmm. then uh, the final goal is to have them all available all at once. It's, it's, it's more so of a, a marketing strategy than a, you know, we ran out of tobacco for the blend. I mean, we, we buy tobacco from uh, the greatest tobacco growers in the world. Uh, you know, the, the same people that all the greatest cigar producers in the world buy their tobacco from. We're very fortunate to be able to have access to this tobacco. So uh, there's not necessarily tobacco that we're picking that is in extreme short supply or that has a shortage. You know, there, there, we may run out of it that year, but it's not like it's gone uh, uh, forever, uh, you know, unless it's some vintage that we can't get our hands on ever again. Um, but, you know, there's always, uh, you can improvise when it comes to tobacco. I mean, we've had this conversation on many different platforms on many different occasions. Absolutely. That mm -hmm. a cigar changes every single year, almost every shipment, at least 5 to 7%. I mean, yeah. so, you know not to get into the conversation that we all want to avoid <laughs> about the FDA and all, but it's just completely impossible. This isn't made in a laboratory. You can't make the same thing over and over and over again. And anyone who's telling you that it's the same exact cigar 100% of the time is lying to you. So Yeah, there's always going to be some amount of variance, even between it, the same cigars in the same box. There is. It's, it's at least 5 to 7% and maybe even more, depending on what tobacco is being used. I have to imagine when you're talking to a retailer and, and getting a facing of the Oro Vivo on the shelf, I mean, if you really want to close that deal, you bring in Armand as your heavy hitter, right? And have a, have a conversation with the retailer. And that, I mean, that's got to be a done deal at that point, because who's going to say no to Armand? You know, it's funny. I mean, we, I've actually gotten him on the phone several times. I mean, but, you know, most, most of the people know him from meeting him at the trade show. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they... It, it, for lack of better terms, I mean, some guys like to break balls and fool around and, you know, say, you know, hey, get him on the phone. I want to talk to him about, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't get my last 12 boxes from the last order. You guys ran out or whatever. I want to, you're not doing your job or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, and then we get Armand on the phone and we all have a big laugh. And yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, what can I say? I mean, it's, it's a dream come true when, you know, you enter in a situation like that. Like I was explaining earlier, when you're surrounded by enthusiasts who share, 
uh, a similar passion for this type of uh, a romantic romantic type business like this, uh, which is usually paired with other romantic type businesses like fine scotch and rare cognacs. I mean, yeah, doesn't really get any better than this. I, it, I think really unless doesn't. I'm blind. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it really doesn't. And I want to uh, talk a little bit more about We'll talk uh, about the Tortuga profile as well, because um, I really want to do a refresher of the Tortuga profile for audience who maybe aren't familiar with the brand, um, have maybe seen it on the shelf and haven't picked it up. You know, we will walk through that in just a second. But I do want to remind our audience, you are tuned in to Cigar Chat Broadcast Live. I'm your host, John the Cigar Surgeon, joined by my co-host, Trippy Trent. We're here with very special guest, Victor Vitale of Tortuga and Legacy Brands. We are broadcast live around the world and picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. This segment is brought to you by Cigar Oasis. Cigar Oasis is the market leader and innovator in electronic humidification. If your cigars aren't protected by Cigar Oasis products, are your cigars truly protected? You need to get a Cigar Oasis and set it and forget it today. Not tomorrow, not two days from now, today. Uh, we're, of course, talking about cigars. We're talking about Armand Cigar. We're going to talk about Tortuga in just a second. Um, but, I, but I do have to say that, uh, you know, I think it, it's, it's great to see someone who's got uh, a lifelong passion for cigars um, entering into the market. I mean, you know, there's, there, there's, as you say, it is a tough market to break into. Um, you know, I, I haven't done it from the manufacturing side, but I'm, you know, I've got my taste now, my first year and a bit in the retailing end of, of spectrum. And it's not an easy industry to, to do. So it's, it's good to see someone come into the industry who has a passion and succeed with that passion. And, you know, of course, bringing in a great product, that's, that's always a plus too. No harm in that. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't know what to say. Thank you. <laughs> so let, let's let's talk about your baby let's talk about tortuga now we're smoking um one of my favorites i mean i i love all your cigars genuinely your cigars and it's not just because you're a great guy great guy I do. I do love your cigars and i'd tell you if i didn't and you'd you know you'd tell me to shut up and that's okay um but you've got a you've got a you've got a full portfolio you've got a range in the tortuga profile that takes it from you know, really the whole spectrum. So maybe, um, Victor, we can just kind of quickly walk through the map of Tortuga for yeah. customers that are, that are, that are listening right now. And, and like I said, maybe haven't had a Tortuga before and, and really should. Well, there's 13 unique sizes and there's four unique blends. And really the goal from the very beginning was to go through the entire spectrum, beginning with mild, Connecticut, mild, but not uh, overly, you know, vanilla ice cream, mild. And, uh, when we launched the Connecticut, it was really this, uh, uh, what, what I believe is a, was, was a short lived trend in the market where there was this, uh, full bodied Connecticut coming, coming out to the market. You guys remember this, Uh or maybe not, maybe I would be bold by saying full body, maybe like medium bodied Connecticut. And to me, uh, you know, you guys know me, I'm more of a traditionalist than anything. I, I don't really go out on the edge too often. And uh, when developing the Connecticut, I wanted it to represent exactly what a Connecticut, a true Connecticut cigar is, which is a very mild, smooth, easy smoking, but recognizable taste Connecticut shade. And that's what the Tortuga Connecticut is all about. And there's three sizes in that. They're very traditional sizes. You have a Robusto, a Toro, and a Churchill. And uh, that's I don't think that, or at least when developing it, 
over the past 22 years, I, I don't know of any other three sizes that sell more in, uh, <laughs> or, or I guess I couldn't, I shouldn't say sell more, but are reached for more than those three sizes when it comes to Connecticut. If, uh, something different is happening out there, I'd love to be enlightened. Someone please tell me if, uh, Connecticut is selling or being reached for and smoked more other than those three sizes. And, uh, although that's the beginning of the uh, flavor and, and strength spectrum, that's not where we started. We started with a boxed press cigar, which was uh, a true medium. The, the goal was to hit that medium mark bullseye, you know, right in the center. And uh, there's four sizes there. And those four sizes would be a uh, Robusto Toro, uh, Churchill, and a 6x60. And when it was developed, of course, the 6x60 was uh, uh, in the marketplace and it had a permanent seat. However, when the Tortuga Reserva box press series was developed, there were very few, uh, if not less than a handful of box pressed six by sixties on the market. And that's where we kind of made our mark there. Yep. You know, there, there wasn't much mm-hmm. variety in a six by 60 box pressed or even a seven and a half by 58 box pressed, which, you know, was our, it's the Dipl- Diplomatico is the name in, in the brand, but, you know, you may as well call it a Churchill at that point or a double Corona, whatever, <laughs> um, whatever, right. There's like three names for everything. Yep, there's three names for everything. So, uh, you know, even in that size, there really wasn't, uh, uh, much. And then, you know, if you rewind a little bit further, it's a six by 56, which, you know, I call a Toro, you know, by today's standard back then it was a giant humongous cigar, but, you know, again, you know, box pressed usually came in a little bit smaller sizes, you know, mostly, uh, I think a six by 54 was the most common size during that period uh, when I launched the box press series. And uh, uh, after that, you know, w- we were very successful with that one. And then we launched uh, um, the Black Coyote, uh, which is a Brazilian Matafina wrapper. And I absolutely love, and people know this from talking to me on many different platforms, I love Brazilian Matafina. Um, it has a very nice earthy, but naturally sweet flavor and light aroma, but it has power. Yep. It has a lot of power and it doesn't have that, uh, um, coffee, like grit power. Like, you yeah. know, when you get to the end of the French press and some grinds like kind of leak through and they get to the bottom of your cup and you're drinking the grit, <laughs> not like that grit, but almost like a real robust, like full bodied, like coffee, like that real dense liquid type type fullness and that was really the goal for the black coyote but also having that naturally sweet and i stress natural because the brazilian matafina is completely unadulterated naturally sweet there is nothing that you need to do to a brazilian matafina to make that thing taste like a real traditional maduro and, uh, mm-hmm. because of that, we were, we were very successful with that line. So, you know, if I can pat myself on the back for it, you know, <laughs> we, we, we kind of nailed it again, you know? And, uh, um, and then, uh, not in this particular order, but the Cedro series came out. It was actually before the Matafina and, uh, again, with unique sizes wrapped in cedar and the Cedar series was the first of uh, uh, the Tortuga Reserva to be wrapped in cedar, um, and uh, that have uh, you guys are smoking it now. I should probably let you take over and, and describe it. I mean, to me, it just has a 
magnificent, and I want to stress the word magnificent, because when it comes to a traditional cigar tobacco flavor, there's nothing that enhances that more than cedar wrap. And uh, that's, that's why I'm using the word magnificent, because it just makes that cigar everything it is and could be throughout the aging process. And that blend was specifically designed to be wrapped in cedar to go through the continuation aging process in a humidor. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I think one of the, and, and, and I, like I said, we, you know, we talked in 20, uh, 2014 when I smoked the uh, Connecticut and, um, you know, it was, it was, and I'm not normally a Connecticut smoker. I tend to smoke, you know, as a cigar geek, I tend to smoke in the medium plus category. But it was a very traditional Connecticut, and it was at a time where people were blending for non-traditional Connecticut's, and yet it was excellent. And, you know, fast forward to the El Cedro, um, I think what I like about it, and I'll let Trip take over here, but what I like about it is it's got such a great clean finish. And there are times when you can smoke some cigars, and, you know, occasionally I like a dirty finish, and I like a leathery finish. But when I want uh, a rich tobacco experience that has a really nice, clean, crisp, short finish. I mean, this, the El Cedro, it just delivers. Trippy, what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. It's got like a really great cedary kind of sweetness matched with uh, just a little bit of spice. Not too much, but it's, it's definitely there and noticeable. Um, and my favorite part about it is the, I get a lot of like a, a citrus sweetness on the retro hail that I really love. I just can't recommend this cigar enough to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Trippy, do we, uh, before we get into uh, talking about um, 2015, talking about what's in the future, how are we doing for audience feedback, questions, comments? Cruck uh, is in the chat room making a, uh, making a ruckus about Lanceros. You thinking about any Lanceros? Victor? My God. Thanks, Cruck. <laughs> uh, There's know- one guy, right? Crux been after me for Lance Arrows, and uh, I think that uh, you know I, I had a, uh, a a decent stash, a private stash of Lance Arrows, and I, he, he Crux. <laughs> <laughs> I had like this. Uh, uh, I remember the one year when Lance Arrows became popular again. You know, you, when you're in the business long enough, you get to see these things become popular like three times. You know, I, as a kid, I never knew like you know when like. Uh, 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 like wide leg jeans, boot cut jeans yeah. came out. Like your father says, ah, I saw that three times already. You know, yeah. it's nothing new. You know, now it's like the Lancero has been popular and died like three or four times already in my career. So there was this one time when I was just like completely upset with the whole Lancero fascination that I just gave <laughs> away all my Lanceros and my humidor because I didn't want to see them ever again. But with, <laughs> but with respect to the Lancero size, um, or the uh, Leguito size, it's a very difficult and challenging cigar to make. I mean, it's not an easy cigar to make. Getting that cigar mm-hmm. to burn properly is uh, uh, something that only a, uh, you know, a true torcedor can do and uh, the right blender can do. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just, uh, it's just not something as a company that, you know, w- that we want to put out there and market. It's not, uh, we haven't really reached that particular audience and uh besides i mean there's just there's a ton of really good lanceros out there i'm sure you can find one that's true that's true yeah we we were talking about this last night on uh, sharing our pairings and and the the adage and i wish i got to remember who told me this because it was just a great line they said it's it's the best vitola that doesn't sell 
you know, it's, like it's, 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 yeah. Yeah. Point, point. Well, uh, well said. I mean, we love them. Cigar geeks love them. Unfortunately, you know, when the uh, when the, when the when the people are in the shops picking up sizes, they're reaching for the six by sixty box press. They're reaching for the toros. They're reaching for the robustos. They're just not reaching for the lanceros. Otherwise, you know, everybody would have a lancero, regardless of how much of a hassle it was to make. It's got to be yeah. smoked properly, too. Honestly, I, you know, I, I might sound like a total nerd saying this, but if you don't know how to smoke a lancero, you have no business smoking a lancero. Because if you're not smoking that cigar correctly, or you don't understand how to smoke that cigar, and yet given, and I don't mean this in an offensive way, everyone has to learn somewhere. I totally get that. But I mean, I, I've seen some people totally hotbox the hell out of a Lance Arrow and yeah. then you know, complain, why does, why, does the, why does it have a point on it? Well, you know, you're smoking it at 120 miles per hour. I mean, you know. Why is it so hot? Why is it burning with a, with a point? Why is it canoeing? Whatever. Uh, well, you know, so it, it, it really is. It's truly the connoisseur cigar. I mean, you guys know it has to be made right. You know, the, the, the masters that are making the Lanceros and the Leguitos are, are really doing a good job. And the people that are trying to do it aren't really doing a good job. And I'm sure you've guys yeah. smoked some really lousy Lanceros out there. So, yeah. Like you said, it's, uh, it's not for everybody. And there's a certain technique that you have to have. And I feel like if we went to some bizarro world where uh, instead of six by 60 selling like crazy, it was Lanceros, there'd be a lot less smokers because people start smoking for the first time and they have a bad experience because they have no idea how to smoke Lancero. Well, you know, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. It's a really a great point. You know, back, back in the day, you know, we used to, people used to be uh, newbies to cigars. They said, I don't want anything big. I want something small. And, uh, you know, a lot of explanation had to be followed by that request that, you know, if you're a new smoker, you really don't want to be smoking something small. You should start out with a Robusto or a Toro because that's yeah. basically, you know, although that's like the everyday guy cigar, that's that it's easy to, to get into. It's a comfortable ride. You know, when you get into more like Corona, Petite Corona and smaller, you got to really know what you're doing or you're just not going to enjoy the experience like Trip said. Absolutely. So I just want to remind the audience, you are tuned in Cigar Chat, broadcast live around the world. I'm your host, John, the Cigar Surgeon, joined by my co-host, Trippy Trent. We're here with Victor Vitale of Legacy Brands, talking cigars, talking about different Vitolas. And uh, this last segment is brought to us by who, Trip? Drew Estate. Mmm, they good. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, we're kind of talking offline um, and, and we're trying to avoid a particular topic because uh, I don't really want to talk about it. I know you're, you're tired of talking about it. But I know, uh, looking back at the IPCPR 2015, um, you you weren't able to attend 2016. Uh, 2016. I see. This is what this is what happens. You know, all the years just blend together. 2016, um, you didn't attend, and we talked a little bit about that. And uh, maybe just talk about you know, without talking about the big elephant in the room, just talk about sort of that process that led up to not attending the the IPCPR. Oh, geez, where do I begin? Um, um... You know, I had an internal conflict about making that decision because it was a very difficult decision for me to make. So after going to the show for 20 years, it was the first show that I had ever missed. And uh, it was purely a business decision to miss that show and spend the money elsewhere, which is basically without referencing the elephant in the room, legal, <laughs> the legal process had required uh, you know, a very large feed bag at the time, and it just needed to be done. And, 
I got to say, uh, on the record, I, I wasn't really exactly happy with the IPCPR and the way they were uh, going about the entire thing. I thought that they should have stuck up for the industry a little bit more, but that's not the reason, you know, not to put myself out there uh, to be misquoted. That's not the exact reason why I didn't go, but um, I'd feel like if I didn't mention that, then, uh, you know, I wouldn't be true to myself because that was, that played a contributing factor. I mean, I think that, you know, we've been paying into an organization for a long time. I think they need to defend the people that they're supposed to defend. And they were late to the game on, on, on several comments and several things. And I'm certainly not saying that I can do it better or, uh, saying that I should have a seat on the board to, to try and do it better. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I'm saying is that I just expected a little more and that's, uh, that's really all I could say about that. So, you know, we have a very unique, small industry, which everyone knows it's not a big business. It's not a big industry. It's an art, it's a culture, it's tradition. And the people that are involved in the industry make many sacrifices to be in this business. So talking from the business side and the sacrifices that are made, it's an expensive industry to operate a business in if oh, you're yeah. doing it correctly. You got to outlay a lot of money. You got to buy tobacco reserves. You have to have them ahead of time. Only the hands of time tell you when they're actually ready to be used. So unless you're rushing to market and just putting out complete garbage, then, uh, you know, you got to do it right. And it's uh, capital intensive. So, you know, for someone being in that position, you know, you know, you need, you need your, your older brother, the, you know, to stick up for you when someone's trying to put <laughs> you out of business. And I didn't see that happening. So anyway, getting off that topic and back onto the legal, that's why I thought, well, you know what, it's time for me to get an attorney and it's time for me to make sure that all the checks and balances are in the proper place because I don't want to get publicly slapped and uh, I don't want to have to go on timeout for however many years to get my ducks in a row. So Trip, you like the way I'm putting, am I putting this okay yeah, for the show? Yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Very carefully crafted. We appreciate that. So basically, you know where I'm coming from there. So anyway, uh, long story short on the other side. So basically it was like, okay, now what do I do that, you know, I got this information out there that I'm not going to be attending the show because you guys know like, geez, oh, he's not going to the show. Oh my God, he's toast. He's out of business. And <laughs> You know, we're never going to see him ever again. And there's some people, good riddance, you know, jack or whatever. You know, you, you know, you got two sides to every, oh, my God, what happened? So anyway, there was nothing like that. And, you know, I, honestly, I'm considering not even going to the show this year because we put together a program for our very special accounts to do some sort of spe annual special that they're accustomed to receiving and used to. And uh, we were very fortunate thank God, to have a very special year last year in absence of attending the trade show. So, you know, knock on wood that, uh, that we can duplicate that this year. And, uh, you know, when I, when I go to a trade show, look, I, you know, I've been going to the trade show for a long time. And I, and I honestly remember when attendance was at its peak. And it saddens me to go to the trade show in this type of market climate uh, where it's, it's bare bones and completely empty. Now I'm saying, I'm not saying that it's going to be bare bones and completely empty for the, for the rest of time, but you know, maybe when that big elephant in the room goes away or we're finally, you know, we have it off our backs, maybe, uh, the trade show will come back to what it used to be. 
But, um, you know, for, for this coming year, I'm expecting it to be uh, mirroring last year. And, um, you know, retailers are, uh, they're having a hard time. You know, they've, they've, you know, some retailers are due, you know, they're doing exceptionally well, but you know, the majority of retailers are just getting by in this business. So, uh, you know, they, uh, they need to spend and, and watch their spending wisely and, and, uh, make investments that are very wise. And from talking to a lot of our long-term customers, a lot of them are wondering uh, or, or even strategizing on whether or not they're going to go to the show this year. So based on that information is basically how I base my decision. Sure, that makes sense. So now that we're kind of caught up to the current, can you tell us what you've been working on since the last time we talked to you and what, you're, what you've got coming up this year, maybe? If there's anything that you can kind of reveal. Uh you know, it's, it's really a fine line to walk because, you know, boy, what I, we've never stopped blending. Uh, let's, let's put it that way because, you know, okay. I mean, we're still allowed to blend. We're still allowed to make things. We're still allowed to uh, advance our education. Uh, we're still allowed to uh, uh, go through trial and error. And uh, we've been developing some really fascinating products and cigars and blends and uh, things are looking really good. It kind of, by not being able to put out anything new under the deeming regs have, has kind of made us work harder and smarter at the mm -hmm. same time on developing things. So when the time comes and all this goes away and it's back to business as usual, we're ready to do it. And we're not taken by surprise like, oh, really? We're allowed to do it again? We're going to be ready for it. And, uh, you know, hopefully that time comes really soon. Yeah, so everybody I'm hopes so. Yeah, so I think that probably underscores sort of where you're, because um, I know Logan is very pessimistic about, you know, where the industry is going. But it sounds like, you know, obviously as a veteran of the industry, you're kind of, you've, you've got a more, shall I say, optimistic view of where the industry is going. You're expecting things to carry on, maybe not as, as it was in the past, but certainly to carry on. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm very optimistic. I, I, I don't want to say that I'm naive. I mean, you guys know me. I mean, there's no chance in hell I could be naive about this <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, I, I'm a very conservative player these days, and as time goes on, I'm sure I'm going to be more conservative. But uh, with that said, I am very optimistic, and I don't think that um, it's I, – I think that the people that are appointed to protect our industry are going to be successful regardless of what I said five minutes ago, I think that they're going to wake up, they're going to plan it, they're going to get it done as they're doing right now. I'm not saying they're absent from the fight, but they're going to get it together and they're going to get it right. And uh, the people are going to decide. And uh, it's not going to be as much of, of a of thumbing down as we've all expected with all of the doom and gloom that's been going around for the past 18 months. So talking about um, positive things here. So maybe two quick hits. Number one, wh what was your favorite IPCPR show to attend and like whatever city that it's, cause it's been in many, many different cities over the years. What's been your personal favorite show to date? Oh man. Well, the older shows were really exciting because just, you know, people again, you know, it goes back to like the enthusiast and, you know, back then, um, when a trade show was packed and loaded with people and, uh, it's just truly exciting. And then something new comes out and you're just so excited to show the, the new product. Um, you know, I would say dating back probably to 1999 uh, in Las Vegas, that was, you know, one of the most exciting shows that I've ever attended. 
And uh, but with that said, I mean, you know, New Orleans kind of gets a bad rap because, you know, nobody likes to go to New Orleans, et cetera. <laughs> but New Orleans is a wonderful city with wonderful people. Every time we go and exhibit in New Orleans, we have a great time. The restaurants are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's not the easiest place to get to for the rest of the world. Um, yeah, it's hot. Yeah, you know, it's got all that, right? Uh, um, the uh, the convention hall isn't laid out the way it should be, right? I'm going through all the insider stuff that the consumers don't really get to hear. Like, you know, what is he talking about? You know, yeah, there's a lot of negatives, but New Orleans is really a charming city. I mean, I, I don't have to tell you about New Orleans. I mean, you know, New Orleans is New Orleans. So, but, mm -hmm. you know, Vegas is probably the easiest place to have it. Um, and you know, the, one of the more exciting places to have the show, because there's just a lot to do on, uh, a, a multitude of platforms, something to do there for everybody. And Vegas usually, or no, I shouldn't say usually, I should say Vegas typically attracted higher attendance, but in the past few years that, uh, that hasn't happened. So, you know, again, hopefully that goes away and things change, but I, I, I would love to see a few more trade shows down the road that I will be attending, uh, being, uh, overloaded with attendance and happy people being invigorated and excited about the business again. That would be, that would be a dream come true for me. I know there was a, a poll that went out, Victor, and I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. And they were kind of quizzing to see maybe a, a <laughs> soft poll to see where people would prefer if, if it wasn't held in Vegas in 2019, if it had to move to another city, where do you think you'd, you'd want it? I, I mean, you know, just ideally, I mean, money's a thing and travel's a thing, but just ideally, what do you think would be one of the best places to host the IPCPR that you'd like to attend? In the United States? Doesn't matter. Well, Any I place. mean, since, since we're operating in the United States, I would say in the United States, and uh, although Florida trade shows have been somewhat of a bust in the past, I think that the industry is kind of missing out on uh, really getting involved with the charming history of premium cigars. And I think, I think Tampa kind of gets a bad rap. Tampa doesn't really get uh, a big attendance when we have a convention there, but Tampa is really like a historical place for premium cigars. Yeah. And, you know, Miami would be another really great place to really like reinvigorate, uh, the culture and the history of premium cigars. And, uh, you know, a lot of things go into the trade show. So, you know, right now we're just like looking at the surface and, you know, uh, creating a theory and there's non-smoking laws and all these different things that really cause a big headache for the IPCPR to map out where they're going to have the show. And, uh, you know, for example, this year it's at the Las Vegas convention center because you can smoke and now you can't smoke at the Sands convention center anymore. And it just becomes a real big pain in the when it comes to planning these things, because, you can't just plan them a month ahead of time or even a year ahead of time. You know, these things are booked out two, three years ahead of time. But to reiterate, uh, you know, I would love to see it again in Tampa. And I would love to see a huge effort put out to be to have Ybor City a big part of the trade show. And if it did end up going to Miami, I would like to see the same for 8th Street Caliocho to be involved, you know, uh, um, just, just in the same merit. Good answer. Good yeah, I could, I could really see uh, either Tampa or Miami being a great place for it, simply because that's kind of where the the cigar culture in the U.S. started. Trippy is Genesis. Again. Yeah, I mean, and there is there is a lot of history. I mean, you look at Miami and Tampa. I mean, you know, that's that's kind of the birthplace of of 
you know, modern tobacco in the United States and still is. And well, it has the romance. And I think that, you know, in the years past, you know, when, when the trade show was in Tampa, um, you know, respectfully to the people that put parties on in Ybor city and everything else, I just don't think that it was done romantic enough. I think it could be done better. And, uh, I certainly don't have the budget to do it, but, uh, if, uh, <laughs> If one of the big guys out there would like to get some ideas, I could certainly uh, I could certainly help out, and I'm sure you guys can do the same. Because if you get the right enthusiasts together that have roots in the industry, boy, we could really make a a, a bang up experience in a place like Ebor City that would would make news headlines for for our industry for sure. Absolutely. I think that's probably going to be our question of the show at this IP, IPCPR is asking each of our interviewees where they'd like to host it. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a consensus going. Trippy, as we come to the end of our Armed Forces Radio Network segment, any other audience questions, comments, or feedback? Uh, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. Kruk, Kruk thinks, I, I do want to say Kruk thinks if anybody can make a good Lancero, it's Victor. Thanks, Kruk. <laughs> You know, I'm surprised no one's asking if we're wearing pants or anything like that. You know, I always wonder with these, you know, what, what kind of funny questions you get. <laughs> I, I just think they assume we're not. Yeah. It, it's just like broadcast television, you know, chest yeah. up, hide everything, yeah. chest up. I can't I love stand up. Scotch. Yeah, I've actually got a scotch. shirt on. That's right. And that's, and that's why we love having and sharing our pairings. We're going to have to have you on a sharing our pairings coming up pretty quick, Victor, because it's been too long. Um, I would love to. Yeah, I got completely smashed on the last one. that I. <laughs> We we always say you know if if you're not if you're not uh, unable to drive at the end of a sharing or pairing you're doing it wrong. That's right. Yeah. So uh, quickly, Victor, tell our audience where they can find more about your brands and where they can find you on social media. Uh, social media, which uh, I am not a social media star by any means. So if you want to be bored to death, follow me at Victor Vitali uh, or uh, TortugaCigars.com. Um, or victorvitali.com. There's several places. I'm sure if you just Google uh, Tortuga Cigars or Oravivo Cigars, you'll find plenty of information. But uh, as uh, you know, I always like to joke around about myself. There's nothing truly exciting about me, but uh, I hope that when you pick up a Tortuga Reserva or an Oravivo that uh, uh, you're either pleasantly surprised or uh, uh, getting what you've expected from previous experiences. I like that. That's a nice sentiment. Well so thanks. Thanks very much for all our live listeners who tuned in to Cigar Chat. We'll be back at a regular scheduled time next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. Of course, we'll have a sharing our pairings next week at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard on Wednesday. So make sure to check that out. We'll be sure to schedule Victor for a scotch and cigar pairing, which is one of our favorite shows to do and sharing our pairings. We do want to thank all our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners who are out there. We know you guys are out there doing things that we are not built to do, keeping us safe. And we do appreciate that fighting for our freedoms wherever you're stationed in the world. Hope you have a chance to enjoy a Tortuga cigar. When you're on break, when you get a little bit of rack time, enjoy a tasty cigar. Hope you all stay safe and have a great weekend.